I'm licensed psychotherapist Greg Woodhill. Welcome to a Brave New Man podcast. On this show, we speak with both experts and non-experts in our goal of exploring all the ways that men are already getting it right, acknowledging all the ways that we're getting it wrong, and most importantly, learning how we can fix what needs to be fixed in order to have healthier, happier relationships and lives. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we are talking about a topic that I'm willing to bet you've never even heard of before, eroticized rage. When people hear the term eroticized rage, a lot of time they think of someone having angry sex or someone raging or beating their chest or screaming while they're having sex. So that's not really what eroticized rage is. It's a lot more covert than that. Eroticized rage is when somebody has taken feelings of shame or hurt or anger or inadequacy, and throughout their sexual development, those feelings unexpressed become wired into their sexual arousal template. So what does that mean? It means that the things that turn them on sexually are an expression of those feelings of anger, shame, hurt. The problem is, that the person who has eroticized rage in general doesn't know that they have it. To me, that's really sad because when we have these feelings under the surface that are painful, one of the best things we could do is talk about them, deal with them, healthily express them, give love and compassion to them, do anything that is going to change them and morph them into these hurtful feelings into actually more positive feelings. When eroticized rage is happening in somebody, they're playing out either trauma or unresolved issues inside of themselves, but they're doing it through their sexual behavior, and they just think it's what turns them on. So they never really question, why am I attracted to this certain thing? And they act it out over and over again, and in many cases, they're actually re-traumatizing themselves because they're not dealing with the feeling underneath. So, does eroticized rage get rid of the anger? No, it does quite the opposite, actually. It compounds it. It festers it. It's like sweeping something under the rug so it can grow mold and grow strong and actually get worse. So today we're talking to Dr. Kate Balestrieri of Triune Therapy Group. She's an expert in eroticized rage, and she's currently writing a book on the topic. And she's going to really share with us a lot of the different ways it happens and what we can do about it. So an example of eroticized rage is a boy who always had a crush on the pretty girls, but those pretty girls never liked him back. And he ends up feeling inadequate, he feels ashamed, he feels not good enough, and through time, I have actually seen men, without realizing it, become very angry at the entire gender that they're attracted to. So... There's a bit of a fuck you in there for not loving me, for not making me feel powerful when I needed you to. And then they spend the rest of their lives trying to get back at women in this case for not making him feel good about himself when he was younger. One of the ways this happens is let's say the type of pornography a man watches. He may love to watch situations where a woman is degraded or humiliated or where the man in the scene is very dominant and powerful because he then subconsciously gets to watch the man he always wished he was being powerful and dominant over the woman that he always wished he could get when he was young. This is important. It may not even be true today that he is inadequate in any way, but back when he was young, it felt like it, so that's what he gets turned on watching today. I've had a lot of clients where when I first introduced this topic of 
you may be really, really angry at women. It's a shock to them. They immediately know that that's not true. I don't hate women. I'm very nice. I'm very pleasant. I'm charming. I'm sweet. I hold the door. However, when we really look under the surface at some of those feelings of rejection and inadequacy that happened a long time ago, they see that covertly they've been acting out their anger against that gender for a long time without knowing it. Now, that's exciting to me because that's a place where people can actually go to heal those places so that they can have fun in their sex life and they can be crazy and wild if they want to or they can make love when they want to, but they're not being controlled by these dark, hurtful feelings under the surface that they're not willing to look at. So anger is really on tap for today. Let's talk about our anger. Let's listen in this conversation we have with Dr. Capel Estrieri and ask ourselves, does any of this resonate with us or the people around us? We are here with Dr. Kate Balestrieri. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Greg. It's such a pleasure to see you. And let me tell everybody a little bit about you, Dr. Kate. Hmm. Dr. Kate Balestrieri is a licensed clinical and forensic psychologist and a certified sex addiction therapist. In over 12 years of clinical experience, she has conducted clinical and forensic evaluations. She served as an expert witness and provided treatment in clinical, forensic, and correctional settings. She's the executive director and co-founder of Triune Therapy Group in Brentwood, California, where she works with adolescents, adults, and couples to address a variety of mental health, addiction, sex, and relationship concerns, and is the co-host of Behind Closed Doors with Dr. Kate and Lauren, a weekly podcast and YouTube series. Dr. Kate has been featured in GQ, USA Today, Epoch Times, Healthy Way, Bustle, Fatherly, as well as multiple podcasts. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. And wow, what an intro. (laughs) I shouldn't have. That's right. And that's our time. (laughs) Uh, Let's just start with what is eroticized rage? Well, that's a great question, Greg. And I think, first of all, the term is really provocative. People hear that term and they immediately perk up their ears and go, well, what's going on there? Mm -hmm. I think we have a fascination with the word erotic anything. So when we eroticize rage or anger... It's really even more exciting and titillating, pun intended. Mm. So eroticized rage is a a process by which anger somehow gets embedded into our sexual arousal template. So let me say that a different way. It's (laughs) not just anger that gets embedded. Sometimes it's fear, it's shame, it's rejection, it's abandonment. All of those things kind of wrapped up together um, get expressed in this kind of um, sexualized way of showing our anger. Mm. So there's lots of different ways that this can show up, and maybe it's easier to give some examples. Mm, Okay. So when someone is exhibiting eroticized rage, they're usually trying to level the playing field. Mm. So they're trying to create a power balance where they feel disempowered. So they're kind of they're trying to equalize their standing in a relationship, which happens a lot when we feel one down. Mm. We try to go to an even place, and we usually end up overcorrecting and get to a place where we feel one up, and mm-hmm. that allows us to feel more equal. So this happens frequently when people um, feel ridiculed or shamed in their relationships, or they feel like one partner is maybe telling them what to do, or um, acting in a way that makes them feel small. Mm-hmm. And they will do things to try and right that wrong or perceived wrong. And that can look like going out and having an affair or Mm. watching porn in the other room, 
when it is a sexualized expression of anger. It can look like flirting or intriguing with other people at the grocery store mm-hmm. when you're out just picking up the ingredients for tonight's dinner. Yeah. It can be subtle or big. And you're saying that that is a way that they try to get back at their current partner. Well, that's the second way that eroticized rage shows up is okay. through retaliation, vengeance, and humiliation. Right, But really, when somebody's trying to establish parity, they're trying to express unconsciously the fact that they feel small. And so by acting out their anger in this sexualized way, it allows them to feel big Mm. or equal or more in power, which is really key. Hmm. Why do they feel small in the first place? So often people who act out their anger in these sexualized ways struggle with shame. Hmm. They struggle with feeling like they're not good enough. And if their partner says or does anything, however intentionally or usually unintentionally, it triggers an old wound that says, you're not good enough, you're broken, you're bad. And so that feels really uncomfortable. And anger as a secondary emotion swoops in to save the day from feeling those things like shame or fear or worthlessness. And then people act out. It creates an illusion of power and parity. Mm-hmm. or equality, and um, and they feel better, at least in the moment. <laughs> but what they don't bank on is how they'll feel afterward when it sets off a cascade of other consequences and causes and effects. Sure. So why does somebody eroticize their rage as opposed to dealing with rage in other ways? So for example, or their anger or shame in other ways. So mm-hmm. some people, they just rage out loud. Mm-hmm. Other people, they stuff it down deep. Um, other people might eat it away or drink it away or they might have passive aggressive ways what makes somebody turn to eroticism of their anger as opposed Mm -hmm. to finding other ways to to let it out it's such a great question um and the answer is complex Mm. and nuanced for everyone but we live in a society that has become a giant feedback loop i mean that's always been the case Mm. human beings are always in a relationship with their context and so what we are exposed to in our world inevitably shapes how we see ourselves, how we see the world, how we see ourselves as either male or female or somewhere in between or not even on that continuum. And it really shapes how we relate to anger. And so we get a lot of different influences, for example, through the way our family deals with anger. Mm-hmm. Maybe when we, we're growing up? Yeah. Okay. Maybe we had parents who raged at us, and so we don't really feel comfortable expressing our anger as directly because it brings up feelings of fear. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we over-identify, and that rage becomes the way we express our anger. Mm-hmm. Right? But some people grew up with influences of sexual degradation around them, And we see that a lot in the porn industry, because I'm not saying that all porn is bad, but there's a lot of anger that gets expressed in porn in its one-sidedness around Mm. pleasure. What do you mean one-sidedness? Well, oftentimes, and this is not inclusive of all porn, there is some porn that's really um, on the mark Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, highlighting mutuality Mm -hmm. and inclusiveness, but very frequently, a lot of the porn that we see as a culture is heteronormative porn, It's not inclusive of different kinds of body shapes and styles to the degree that would suggest there are lots of different ways to be sexy. Mm -hmm. What happens in a lot of the porn that we see is that it's really um, positioned in a way that highlights male pleasure. Yes. And all of the women's pleasure in those kinds of scenes is really directed at 
increasing the male experience. Mm -hmm. So it's really one-sided in that regard because there's not a lot of communication with the woman about what she wants, what she doesn't, that really feels like the person is interested in hearing the answer. Yes. Yeah, it seems that the way that pornography has evolved or devolved, depending on who's who's looking at it and who's evaluating it, it has become far more visceral, far Mm -hmm. more violent, far more humiliating. Mm -hmm. And I wonder then with pornography... Does that help someone with eroticized rage or does it hurt them? Because I'm thinking of two pathways uh, and maybe neither are true. Mm -hmm. One is that a person with eroticized rage is watching pornography. They're seeing very visceral, very humiliating or violent acts, Mm -hmm. which there's plenty to find out Mm -hmm. there. And they're getting their fill. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're feeling like that's an expression. Some people argue that that type of violent porn Uh, decreases violent actual sexual aggressive Mm -hmm. acts in the real world Uh, others say that it exacerbates them so Mm -hmm. one theory could be that it gives them an expression for it so that they Mm -hmm. don't need to go act it out in real life and the other opposite would be oh i found my people this is okay this is this is normal now and Mm -hmm. i'm seeing that there's a place for me in my feelings Mm -hmm. and do you have any thought about which way it goes I think it's a really important question that we don't have all of the data for scientifically to answer. But what I will say is that as human beings, we are creatures who learn in a way that is dependent on our state, Mm. right? So state-dependent learning means that if I study for a test every day while I'm intoxicated on marijuana, (laughs) if I try to take the test sober, I'm probably not going to pass it because everything I learned, I learned while I was intoxicated. So the same thing applies, I think, in this case. If someone's going to porn because they're acting out an an angry impulse or they're feeling... um, unequal or they're feeling shame or frustration and they're using it as a mechanism to cope in that way, their brain is coding the stimuli that they receive through this state-dependent learning filter. And what's likely to happen is they're going to reinforce those angry tendencies and strengthen neuropathways that actually engender um, a, a closer and more acute relationship between anger and sexuality. Mm. And so that's where I can see it becoming problematic. Um, And I would argue that the person who says, well, I'm using this as a way to express my feelings so I don't have to act it out, is not living in reality because Mm. unless they're being really transparent with their partner about what they're doing and why they're doing it, um, then they're hiding it. And so that is an act of eroticized rage Mm. in that regard. Okay, to be hiding it, to have a secret over their partner, yes. uh, and to, to use that, like you said earlier, to feel bigger or to feel like mm-hmm. I have something over you, like as, as in a powerful way, right. or what they perceive as power. Yes. So, do people who have eroticized rage know it? Some do. Okay. Some don't. Hmm. I think it's really um, contingent on how much insight they have, how much therapy they've had, whether or not they've been called out on it in mm. any way, shape, or form. So, everyone's awareness is different. We have to remember that anger, whether eroticized or not, serves a purpose, right, in our lives. And it tells us when we feel like someone is treating us poorly, being disrespectful, and it gives us some way of advocating for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that to condone eroticized rage, but when we understand where it comes from and the function that it serves, then we can stop being so punitive. Okay, sure. Well, when we're looking inside, if anybody is thinking to themselves, do I have eroticized rage? Am I doing this anyway? What types of questions can we ask ourselves to know? 
That's a great question. So some of the things that you might ask yourself are, what happens when I feel triggered and insecure in a relationship? Mm. How do I react? What do you mean by triggered? Um, if I feel reactive mm. in any way, shape or form. Emotionally reactive. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone is engaging with me in a way and I suddenly feel defensive mm -hmm. or called to react in some way, shape or form, that's a, a good indication that you've been triggered in some old wound or even a current wound. Mm -hmm. And so I would invite you to ask yourself, how do I react in those situations? And so here are some really kind of subtle ways that people can express eroticized rage, right? They might suddenly sexualize the person that they're in communication with. Mm. So they might be talking about um, how they respect all of the achievements that someone has made. And in doing that, suddenly feel insecure about their own perception that they haven't achieved as much. And then they might say something like, wow, well, nice cleavage, mm. right? And nice cleavage is a way to bring the person that they're admiring down in it, a way yes because what it does is reduces them to a sexualized object okay so that. you're someone who i was looking up to and now i'm starting to feel insecure so in order to feel equal to you or no like you said earlier better than you mm -hmm. i need to turn you into a sexual object that i can objectify yeah okay yeah and because when we do that what we're really doing is dehumanizing someone else mm. and giving ourselves some distance from any sort of empathy Empathy keeps us connected, and when we feel scared or insecure, you know, our brain pulls the release cord, and we go into a place of feeling really defended, mm. and usually that means we have to shut off our empathy for a little bit mm. in order to self-preserve. Yeah. Is there just like a long list of, of ways people eroticize their rage we can come <laughs> yes. up with? Like you, you've said a few things. So you said mm -hmm. infidelity is one. Yeah. Watching pornography and hiding it from your partner is another. Mm -hmm. Sexualizing somebody that's in front of you, which is dehumanizing them instead mm -hmm. of seeing them as an actual living, breathing human being mm -hmm. because you're feeling insecure about mm -hmm. yourself. What are some others? Watching porn, for example, uh, could or could not be eroticized rage, Correct. if I'm understanding. Okay. Correct. Yeah. I think we have to look at all of these behaviors as what function do they serve? Mm -hmm. and what happens if I do something different, mm. right? And that's a way to kind of gauge, well, would I feel as discharged in my anger if I went and journaled instead of watched porn and hid it from my partner, mm. right? Do I feel like I have to do anything in secrecy? And so let me continue going through the other kinds of eroticized rage Great. because it might give people more of an indication of whether or not anything aligns for them. Yeah. Um, so we started to talk a little bit about uh, the second category of eroticized rage, which shows up as humiliating someone else or retaliating against them or seeking vengeance. And so this might come across as uh, someone who thinks their partner might be cheating on them and says, well, if they're cheating on me, I'm going to go cheat on them, right? And starts up an affair with someone at work or with one of their kids, uh, one of their kids parents or kids friends parents mm -hmm. there needs to be an extra step there somewhere <laughs> um, so yeah they might you know just in their mind try to find an opportunity to get an eye for an eye and here's the kicker the person's partner never needs to know or find out about it for it to be an effective demonstration of eroticized rage mm -hmm. just knowing that they could is enough of a release on that shame valve that they're holding up uh, holding on to right because when someone's trying to humiliate or degrade another person what they're really doing is trying to cast out the shame that they feel about themselves wow so yeah, I would imagine they would even hope that the person didn't know uh, but that in their own mind they now have a one-up 
mm-hmm. one-up thing happening with that person. That's exactly right. So we see that a lot in terms of people who pick affair partners or intrigue with people that their partner knows, mm. right? That's so an angry act, you're saying. It's a very angry act. It's not, because what a lot of people think or assume, or even I would say plead their own case, is that it's not that I'm angry. It's not that I was thinking I wanted to hurt somebody. I'm just really horny. Mm-hmm. I'm just more horny than most people. I mm-hmm. like sex more than most people. Yeah. Is that a cop-out, do you think? Well, uh, cop-out maybe. I think it certainly demonstrates a lack of insight, <laughs> right? Because sure. everybody gets horny. Mm-hmm. Um, but why would you choose the person who is your partner's boss to act mm-hmm. out with? Mm-hmm. There's a special kind of hostility there. Because if your partner ever found out about it, the level of humiliation they would experience at work is so great Mm -hmm. that it can't not be an act of hostility. Sure. So other types of of Mm -hmm. eroticized rage that you can think of. So there's two other categories and ways that eroticized rage shows up very frequently. The third would be any engaging in any kind of act of taboo, Mm -hmm. right? If we think about it, When we feel helpless, one of the ways that we try and overcorrect is to do something that pushes boundaries Mm -hmm. or gives us a sense of power and control. And so when we push the boundaries around what is socially acceptable, either in the culture that we grew up in, maybe our religious teachings, whatever laws or social boundaries our community has established, anything that violates that and is taboo adds risk. Mm. And so this is an interesting category of eroticized rage because what's actually happening is the amount of risk that um, is factored in and the the degree to which someone might get caught is actually the part that is arousing Mm. and stimulating for the nervous system. It's not so much the sexual act. It's more about knowing that if other people found out, they would disapprove. Mm -hmm. And there's a special kind of power and privilege in knowing that I'm the best at being the worst, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so violating that, those social norms gives people a sense of power and I can get away with things. Yeah. So that's kind of like a fuck you to society. It's a total fuck you. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's a way that they're acting out. Because what I'm realizing about a lot that you're saying here is that there's people who could be doing the types of things you're talking about, Mm -hmm. but it's not what they're doing as much as the motivation behind it that creates eroticized rage. So someone could watch porn and not have a lot of eroticized rage. Mm -hmm. Someone could like public sex and not have eroticized rage. They could have a stupid affair. They could. However, when you look, I would say, behind the curtain Mm -hmm. that... What's motivating them to do those things? Like I know some people would say, I'm just a free spirit. I just mm-hmm. like cr- pushing boundaries. I like having public sex. Sure. I would say, why? Why? What do you get out <laughs> of it? Again, if you're doing these behaviors unconsciously to get a reaction or because you think the reaction could be there, that's indicative of any kind of um, anger, okay. right? sexualized or not. But the last category of eroticized rage, just to sort of bring this full circle, is obsession. And this is a really fascinating category because it's a reaction to scarcity, right? And if we feel relationally like we don't have enough love, trust, connection, we're going to fight for it more aggressively. Mm. And so best case scenario, this category of obsessive demonstration um, really is about possessing. Because if I feel like I'm without, I want more and more and more. This is what hoarding is essentially about, mm. right? Feeling scarcity. Yeah. And so this can take on a sexualized hue 
And it can look like stalking someone on social media. It can look like even just ruminating over and over and over again in your mind. Okay, if I'd only said this, if I'd done that, if this person had said this, if I only looked like this instead, you know, if only, if only, Mm -hmm. that's a type of obsession that is an act of rage. Now, people might say, well, why is that an act of rage? Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not acting on it. But what happens is we get stuck in that angry feedback loop and that obsessive feedback loop because ultimately we we covet the thing that we cannot have sure and that engenders or is born out of an angry response Mm -hmm. it both engenders and is born out of it because it's a really pernicious feedback loop Mm -hmm. so worst case scenario this can look like stalking it can look like domestic violence it can even look like interpersonal homicide you know in in a relationship mm-hmm. um so it can be really nasty there's a, there's a lot of well there's a couple of things in there is some uh, potentially some delusion but also mm-hmm. uh entitlement completely a feeling of i deserve to have you mm-hmm. whether or not you agree mm-hmm. uh, i should have you and yes. that becomes an obsession where people like you say can stalk or really start pushing boundaries mm-hmm. because they feel entitled of it and i've heard people say and i could make a case for this that porn today helps to reinforce that entitlement Mm -hmm. that you said you were talking about objectifying objectifying people earlier Mm -hmm. so if i'm watching porn all the time and i'm used to seeing someone i'm attracted to and then i get to see them naked and then i get to see them having sex with somebody that out about in the world that person feels entitled to see that even if it's with their fantasy or their mind i'm going to ask you kind of like a sesame street question here because (laughs) you've talked about it in a way and I'm, i'm i'm wondering What's the difference between someone walking down the street and feeling a strong sexual attraction for somebody else they see and somebody who has eroticized rage toward a person that they see? Hmm, That's a great question. So there are a lot of different ways to answer that, really, Mm. because it depends on how somebody who is exhibiting more eroticized rage, how they react. There's a lot of different ways that they could react. But you can walk down the street and feel a large amount of attraction for someone, honor the fact that they are a whole person with (laughs) thoughts, feelings, emotions, experiences, um, boundaries and rights, and the ability to either receive or reject any advance that you might make toward them and be humble and realistic in that, Mm. right? If you even choose to approach them. So this, so eroticized rage, from what I'm hearing from you, comes from pain, Mm -hmm. feelings of inadequacy, shame, hurt, all of those things. Mm -hmm. And it's a protective mechanism. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to sexualize it, I think is what you're saying here today, so that I don't have to feel it. Yes. I can make you a sexual object that I want to dominate so that I don't have to sit with my own inadequacy. Yes, that's a great way to describe it. So then... What do we do about it if we have this? So let's say that there's things that a person says, well, I recognize some of this. Mm -hmm. I recognize that I do this, that I want to enact this power or dominance or go one up or have, you know, deliberate secrets. And the secret itself is a turn on over my partner. I like watching people being dominated or Mm -hmm. humiliated. What do they do about it? I think there's a lot of different ways to sublimate these feelings into something more productive. So the first thing I would recommend is that if someone is recognizing a lot of these traits in themselves, it might be time to go hook up with a therapist. Mm. Uh, hook up is not the word I would use there. <laughs> <laughs> um, align yourself with a therapist, a therapist sure. and start exploring what got you to this place. Mm. You know, how did your sexual template or your preferences get synced up with shame, anger, fear, fear or any of these acting out behaviors because it's really key to start dismantling that so that you can recreate 
healthy scripts that align with your value system. Um, but the other thing that I will say is that there are positive ways that people can express this tendency with their partner. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that can come up is a healthy exploration in the kink world, mm. right? Especially if someone's looking for um, opportunities to play with power, mm-hmm. right? This is a place where people can have healthy communication around it. They can establish boundaries that work for both people. And it allows uh, an opportunity to really kind of tap into some of those power dynamics that maybe uh, could get played out a little bit differently, but with consent and okay. in a way that you know allows for debriefing and processing later. So even if, it's, if it comes from a place of pain and trauma, they can still act that out in a way that's healthy, that's boundaried, mm-hmm. and like you said, where they can process it in the afternoon. Yeah, I mean, I work with a lot of people who can't be sexually aroused unless there's violence involved in their sex play. Okay. So choking, for example, which you know can feel like a very common um, mm-hmm. sex act these days, especially because we see it so much in porn. Um, but that's a pretty violent act. And for mm. some people, it's wildly arousing. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to say that's a wrong or a bad thing to do. Sure. But if you are doing it without the consent of your partner, or you're watching a lot of porn that exhibits that, and you're not talking to your partner about it, it can facilitate a lot more anger. But if you're saying to your partner, like, hey, this is something that really turns me on. Are you willing to play around with this with me? You know, it can be a way that people can kind of access and discharge that anger mm. without you know, uh, it creating havoc in their world. Sure. So it becomes consensual Mm -hmm. and they are able to experience a a relational way of Mm -hmm. playing with that because you said just a moment ago that some people, if it's the only way they can get turned on is if they're enacting some sort of power or humiliation Mm -hmm. or anger or obsessive Mm -hmm. act then that's a good marker for someone to look at themselves and say, okay, that sounds like me. This is, uh, I'm pigeonholed now, they might say, Mm -hmm. into a way of of expressing my sexuality that is always Mm -hmm. full of of one-upsmanship, full of needing to be better than or humiliating someone else. So I think it's really key that that people who want to kind of reset their brain recognize that they have to give their brain a little bit of a break because it can be overstimulated and when those neuropathways get really solidified, it takes time for them to deconfect. And then we can work simultaneously on building new scripts for other healthy pleasure. What I really would hope that people can get to is an understanding of how they're using sex as a means of acting out anger, mm-hmm. as opposed to using sex as a means of expressing pleasure yeah. and connection and relate- uh, relational. Even if it's crazy off the wall fun playful yeah but but relational like mm-hmm. you said consensual and then i think what part of what you're saying as well is that then they can deal with some of those feelings of inadequacy hurt shame guilt um all the other things you mentioned but they can do it in a healthy way by talking about it by processing it by crying their tears by exploring their their past things like that as opposed to mm-hmm. acting it out unconsciously right well that's really the the big um Achilles heel here is that anybody who's acting these things out in this sideways manner, unconsciously, indirectly, really just needs to exercise different muscles for more direct communication. But part of what fuels eroticized rage is a fear of intimacy 
or inadequate skills to communicate. Mm. And so it's if you think about it in terms of like a, a way of being passive aggressive, when it, the rage becomes eroticized, it's an opportunity to really, you know, look more inward and think about how can I be intimate in a way that feels safe, in a way that allows me to open up and be seen and be authentic. But that takes work and it takes, you know, a lot of exploration because as you said earlier, eroticized rage is a defense. Mm. And so first we've got to recognize what are we being so defensive about? Mm-hmm. Right. So we're protecting something on the inside we don't want to look at and we certainly mm-hmm. don't want anyone else to see it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that men who are conditioned away from their feelings are monsters. Mm-hmm. I think that they are people who have adapted to the expectations of their environment. And so it's wildly courageous and scary to look in the face of all of that pressure yeah. and say, I'm going to do something different. Yeah. And unfortunately, that is the antidote. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say unfortunately, but it's unfortunate in the sense that you have to go against what you're taught you might get pushback from other sure. people in your world sure. who aren't ready to self-examine in that way. Yeah. But real healing comes from building connections and from breaking out of those chains that prevent you from having real connection and intimacy and authenticity. Sure. There's a lot of darkness in what we're talking about, but I'm also mm-hmm. hearing you preach a lot of hope. And if somebody wants to learn more about you, your services, mm-hmm. how they can contact you, how they can come see you and work on any of these mm-hmm. issues we're talking about, how do they find you, Dr. Kate? It's a great question. And if you don't mind a shameless plug. <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, we have this amazing 12-week program mm. that has been designed. We have one to help people address anger directly. And we do go over eroticized rage, monetized rage, wow. all different kinds of anger. That's at Triune Therapy Group. That is at Triune Therapy Group. And we also have a program that is geared toward helping men establish a new healthy framework for masculinity. Oh boy. And so it's challenging, you know, a lot of the stereotypes that men grew up with and um, a lot of the ways that they were conditioned away from authenticity, connection, resilience, Mm -hmm. vulnerability, and really helping them become uh, masters in this new set of tools right and and embody change in that way so it's a really great program so for anyone interested in those programs or any other information you can reach out to us at triune therapy group at 310-933-4088 or check out our website triunetherapy.com that's t-r-i-u-n-e therapy.com and on it we have all of our podcast episodes oh lovely and um, lots of different resources and, and they can find out readings. about those programs you just mentioned absolutely great absolutely how about you personally how does somebody come follow you if they want to <laughs> um well i'm on facebook and instagram and twitter at dr kate balistrieri that's b-a-l-e-s-t-r-i-e-r-i you say it more italian than i do <laughs> <laughs> dr kate balistrieri and then also triune therapy group we're on instagram facebook and um twitter so people can follow us there. Excellent. Thanks so much for coming here today. Thanks so much for having me. What an amazing show. I'm so proud of you and so happy for you that you're doing this work. It's amazing. Thank you so much. And uh, will you come back, plug your book when it's done? Absolutely. Beautiful. Thanks, Dr. Kate. Thank you. Okay, so what now? What do we do with all of this information? First of all, remember, we're talking about all these topics in order to reduce shame, not to create it. So if any of this resonates with you, good. That's the whole point here is that we're talking about these issues instead of letting them stay buried. So take it easy on yourself. Remember, eroticized rage is covert a lot of the time. So if you have eroticized rage, you most likely don't know it. It covers up those feelings that you don't want to feel. 
and it disguises them as sexual arousal. Feeling and healthily expressing your painful feelings is the first step to healing them. Ask yourself, does any of this information resonate with me? Here are the four questions. One, do I need to feel powerful over another person or better about myself in order to be aroused? Two, do I need another person or myself to be humiliated or degraded in order to be aroused? Three, do I need to break societal norms or rules in order to be aroused? And four, is my arousal fueled by obsession about another person? If any or all of these situations apply to you, talk about it with somebody. I'm biased, so I would say a therapist is a great place to start. Or a trusted friend, somebody that you can confide in and can listen to you that can bring healing to those emotions. It doesn't mean that you have to stop doing what you like. You can understand it better and bring some healing to those places inside of you that are in pain. And in my opinion, it can make those things a lot more fun. Ask yourself if your behaviors are hurting someone else. And if so, stop. Deal with the pain inside instead of taking it out on someone else. Now, ask yourself if your partner is acting any of this out on you and talk to them about it in a loving yet boundaried way. You deserve better than to be a landing pad for somebody else's anger. This can change through healthy communication, but you have the right to stand up for what feels good and does not feel good to you. Finally, none of this is supposed to make your sex life more boring. Have fun, great, crazy sex if you want to. Just be aware if you're using your sexuality to try to express angry feelings that are in need of a more healthy and healing way of expressing themselves. That's all. Above all, keep connecting, keep evolving, and keep having fun. Thanks for listening to A Brave New Man Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to A Brave New Man on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. And come follow us on Instagram at A Brave New Man Pod. That's A Brave New Man P-O-D for updates on the show and our daily words of wisdom. See you next time.